Hello, I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Coming up after the news, it's philosophy talk. Today's topic, reconciliation. Reconciliation sounds like a good thing. Enemies fight sometimes for generations. Better to reconcile. Let bygones be bygones. Make up. Get on with life. Uh, Yeah, but lots of times the people that are your enemies aren't just enemies. They're really evil. You think of them that way and often you're right. But John, an eye for an eye will eventually make the whole world blind. Very pious, Ken, but it's not that easy. If you put out my eye or kill my child or destroy my village, maybe I can forgo putting out your eye or killing your child or destroying your village. But reconcile? Not any satisfaction? No justice? Maybe it's not an either-or thing. Maybe justice and reconciliation are compatible. We'll ask that question when Philosophy Talk continues after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of 91.7 KALW, local and innovative public radio for San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that begin at Stanford University, and in this case, at the Stanford Humanities Center, co-sponsor of today's show. Our guest, Daniel Hurwitz, was a fellow there, and is returning this weekend to participate in a conference about knowledge and belief celebrating the Humanities Center's 25th anniversary. You can find out more about this conference at the, at the website, uh, shc.stanford.edu. And while you're there, you can migrate over to our blog, theblog.philosophytalk.org, where this conversation will continue. Ken, today's topic is reconciliation, and what we have in mind is mainly not reconciliation between two obnoxious people like you or me, but between warring elements in a country, the kind of thing involved in South Africa's reconciliation project. But what exactly does reconciliation mean? Well, you start with people who have been at odds. Maybe one group, the dominant group, have, has committed lots of atrocities against the subdominant group. Maybe the subdominant group has, has uh, used terrorist tactics to fight and has done some atrocities in return. And it's over. That period is gone, and they're trying to rebuild, reconstitute anew, and they've got to get on with it somehow. So instead of, like, everybody taking revenge or retribution on, on everybody else, they they reconcile by some process. By some process. Uh, so so from the time after reconciliation, they should coexist in harmony, if not exactly be fast friends. But I have a little trouble understanding what's supposed to be the relationship between reconciliation and classical conceptions like justice. Are, are, are they alternatives? Let's not worry about justice. Let's reconcile and get on with it. Or is reconciliation somehow a sequel to justice? Well, or it could be that reconciliation is like a part of justice. Our guest, Daniel Hurwitz, is going to join us, and he has this nice phrase, transitional justice, right? I mean, you might think, well, look, first, I, you did the bad thing to me, so I want to exact some retribution. He's not going to get away scot-free, but then maybe it wouldn't be as bad as it otherwise was, especially if you have some kind of penance, right? You fess up, and I say, I give you some kind of am- amnesty, and then after you fessed up, and I've got my uh, retribution. We can go on. We can reconcile. We can. So maybe it's like a stage-wise thing, and it's all part of one big process. Maybe it's a, a new conception of justice, but it has its roots, I suppose, in the individual case, uh, where we use words like forgiveness, penance, retribution. One person has to reconcile with someone who's done them harm because they're going to live in the same community, maybe in the same family. Uh, so maybe some attention to the individual case would help us understand the social case. Well, I, you know, I think you're right about that, and... Uh, 
our roving philosophical reporter, Amy Standen, went out and talked to someone who achieved a degree of reconciliation. She files this report. My uncle was the youngest of my grandmother's children. My cousin was the oldest of her grandchildren. For me, that's, that feels significant somehow. Pat Clark is the director of the Fellowship for Reconciliation. When she was a child, Clark's uncle and then six months later her cousin were murdered. There are those in our family who were absolutely uh, ready to seek vengeance. Uh, there are those who were just overwhelmed by grief and were paralyzed by that grief. But the uh, response that probably had the greatest impact on me was the response of my grandmother, a deeply spiritual woman who uh, basically said that, you know, it's not ours to uh, uh, seek revenge, that ultimately God will make this right. One of the murderers was brought to justice and later reconciled with the family. But the other one, the woman who killed Clark's uncle, was never punished. I think the conditions for reconciliation are um, having an understanding and acknowledgement of what happened, number one, and some sense of accountability but also basically making a commitment to moving forward in, in a different way. And again, that doesn't mean you become fast friends, but it does mean that uh, a willingness to, to look at things through different perspectives, a willingness to struggle through issues, uh, and, and most importantly, I think, a different appreciation for the humanity of, of people who you view as different. I think reconciliation in my family situation gave us a sense of, um, first of all, not being defined by um, this terrible, actually two very terrible tragedies. I think it also gave us a sense of the value of all life and uh, the need to, to hold it sacred. You know, forever and ever we will be connected to the woman who killed my uncle and will be connected to the, the man who killed my first cousin. Um, because you can hardly think of either of those people in their families without thinking about what happened to them. So I think part of reconciliation is about do we want to you know, have that connection always be one that's, you know, filled with, with anger and hate. We knew the woman who killed my uncle. We knew the man who, who killed my first cousin. We knew their families. Good people. You know, and so I think there was also this recognition that even with good people, bad things can happen. You know, I have uh, two nephews and a niece that I'm raising, and you know, I've done the best job that I can do. I think they're wonderful, affectionate, caring individuals, but I can't guarantee what their life's paths will be. So if they're engaged in some, something that, that's uh, wrong or God forbid, horrible. I hope that folks who are judging them will have some grace in that judgment. And so that's why, you know, focusing on reconciliation is so important to me is because we don't know um, when we're going to be in situations where we may react in ways that, you know, are totally antithetical to who we think we are and who we think we're about. And if we do, I would hope that there would be some grace somewhere where people could see us um, not as defined by that one event, but see the totality of who we are as human beings. For Philosophy Talk, this is Amy Standen. You can listen to the rest of this program by purchasing it at iTunes Music 
or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.